Folks, welcome to another fun-filled episode episode of Seishura, the Music Explorers <laughs> podcast. As it's always good when you open with a, a slip up right out of the gate. Um, I mean, if we're known for anything, it's our professionalism. Yes, that, that's that's very true. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'm Scoot Magoo, which you probably could tell because I routinely stumble over my words. <laughs> I'm Jim Jam, and I do kind of the same thing sometimes. Uh, it, it, it depends on the day. Yeah, but I, you know, really, I mean, I can't believe I'm bringing this up, but I, uh, I've been having to take like antibiotics, uh, and you, you know, you're supposed to take them with food, and so I, I just took some, I ate some pretzels with them, but they happened to be like those tiny, tiny kind, so I ended up cutting the roof of my mouth, and I can feel it right now. Oh, that's that's <laughs> the worst. Honestly, for me, I hate the. I hate like the tiny annoying pains more than like the the big pain. Maybe that's maybe that's oh, yeah. weird, but like that that just yeah. always, no no no. I I, yeah. I can completely relate because that is like pretty much been my last two months. <laughs> like so, but let's not go into that. Let's let's talk about let's talk about that Muzak that, yeah. that our our favorite our favorite radio hits. <laughs> yeah, and we we have kind of a fun. Uh, usually, so we're doing a free episode today, and usually we start out just to get the conversation flowing, talking about albums of the week. But we actually have, it's a quasi structured free form episode, so a little bit of a contradiction. But isn't that isn't that life? Isn't life a contradiction? Yeah. Um, but, but it's also very us too. Yeah, and actually, it makes you know it makes sense because we listen to each other's uh, albums, albums of the week, of the last, week, week. last week and. Have some thoughts about both. Uh, yeah, and so I guess we'll. Why don't we start with? Um, and since I'm leading, I can make this executive decision. But I want to start talking about your album of the week because I. Yeah. This is an album. Uh, it's uh, the debut Black Queen album uh, called Fever Daydream. Fever Daydream. And which I I apparently fucked up and called the self-titled one, which just shows how how big of a fan I am. So. But you know what? Like, I, I just I figured that was the one you were talking about. I think I, I thought I remember that that's the one you mentioned. Yeah. And I've been aware of this for a while. Obviously, you know, having Greg Pucciato, Pucciato on vocals definitely made some splashes in you know some circles I run in. Uh, just just never listened to it. And unfortunately, just one of those you know so much new music, only enough time, and just never checked it out. Um, yeah, but I, I kind of did the same thing, yeah. actually, because th- that, that came out back when I was writing for Heavy Blog as well, uh, and I remember people really liking it on the blog, and uh, I remember, I think I listened to it then, and I enjoyed it, but I never really revisited it until I just, I think what actually changed it for me was that I um, I was listening to uh, The Vinyl Guide, which is a great little podcast that interviews all these different musicians and they uh did uh an episode with greg and it was they were talking about the second um black queen album but after listening to one of the, one of the tracks that they played uh which i think was was taman should i think which is like one of the final tracks off of uh fever daydream i was like okay i need to just get both these already <laughs> yeah i mean i had a general idea of you know kind of what this album was trying to be um, maybe this is part of it, but I feel like sometimes, um, when artists in like, like the rock or metal sphere are like, I'm going to make an electronic album, uh, it doesn't always go 
super well or, or basically mm. I guess when artists are like yeah, I'm going to make something out of my you know the purview of what I'm used to I mean I feel like it's either hit or miss either it's like wow like they could just make their career on this trajectory or it ends up being well there's a reason that this isn't your main project um and i very much felt like like uh, this was awesome i was just i was so uh, i mean I, I didn't go into this with really any any you know ideas of how i'd feel i just i i, I was mm. curious to hear what it had to offer you know i, I knew that it was this, a quasi electronic project and it is very much uh, i don't know if this is weird to say but like it had kind of like a sexy Vibes, yeah, I don't know. Like it was just, it was very. I, it 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 speaks of like, like Saturday nights, you know. Uh, but 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 not at the club. It's after the club. Mm. Like okay, like have you ever seen? It, it, it's like the last twenty minutes of the movie Blade Runner, kind of. Okay, yeah. Um, like in just like I don't know. I I whenever I listen to the Black Queen, I always think of just like dark nights with rain. Ooh, I like way. that. Like yeah, like it, it has like it, it, it has like that edge that yeah, like that kind of like sexy type of vibe to it. Yeah, um, and it was just so. And Greg, Greg's, Greg's sexy. I'll say it. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's, he's it, it, so. I just feel like his vocals are so malleable in in like a, a I, good way. Like he just is I so... love. He is one of my favorite singers. Like, it, in you know I I think I've said this before, but unpopular opinion. I think the Dillinger albums like I don't think Dillinger's Escape Plan was truly like themselves until he joined the band like I honestly Calculating Infinity is my least favorite Dillinger Escape Plan album by like a long stretch like and they did, I still enjoy it but man it just like what he brought to the table in just vocals alone just just changed the entire game for, for them yeah I, in my I, opinion. I mean I like Calculating Infinity but I, I think it's it's not, it's not really a whole package record. Like I feel like Dillinger continued evolving musically and still being great musically, but vocally, uh, I don't remember the original vocalist name honestly. Uh, uh, Dimitri Dimakakis. Yeah. It's it's, uh, it's a Greek yeah, last it, name. It, it rolls that, it rolls right off the tongue. Uh. It, it, it's <laughs> it, it's one of those names that you have to like take a pause and make sure you get it right. Yeah. Um, and I'm almost 100 percent sure I didn't get it right. Yeah. So. I'm not I'm not trying to take a shot at him at all, but I mean I think his vocals definitely fit what they were trying to do, but I yeah. they were hardly the start of the show. I, I mean like I, I I think maybe the the way to look at it is like because I I, I look at Calculating Infinity as like like the quintessential mathcore album or like one of them, but I think after that album dillinger stopped being a mathcore band in a way that i feel like they kind of i i mean i feel like the i think maybe the wording is gonna be a little pretentious here but i feel like they kind of like transcended the genre in a way yeah i mean because they, they, they definitely they, they just started pulling like all over the place and just saying like fuck everything yeah they absolutely evolved into their own own beast and i think it's telling this is like the famous anecdote is that uh greg submitted a demo tape of oh, him, yeah. you know, performing in their traditional style, the, the way that Dimitri screamed. But then he yeah. also submitted a demo, you know, of, of him doing his own thing. It's kind of telling that they said, we want you and we want you to, you know, do it the way you would do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think since then, with, you know, his solo album that we reviewed last year. and Which was fantastic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with projects like this. Uh, I will say musically, uh, I, I don't think I preferred his solo album as much as you know what he 
or what the band does here, whoever. Who does he collaborate with on the Black um, Queen? I think so. Do you do you know the the band Telephone Tel Aviv? Uh, I don't. But that's chance. a really fun name. I like that. Yeah, I, I see. I'm not familiar with them, but I do know the name, and I'm pretty sure it's it's one of the, the musicians from there. Um, I think my computer's kind of blowing up on me, but <laughs> I will try to look it up, nonetheless, uh, because <laughs> just interesting. Um, yeah, uh, Joshua Eustace from Telephone Tel Aviv, um, and Stephen Alexander, who apparently was a tech for Dillinger and Nine Inch Nails, I guess. Uh, and Eustace was part of uh, Nine Inch Nails as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, mean, I am not familiar at all with, you know, with the folks you just mentioned but the, musically i mean as much as i love greg's vocals i just the music really grabbed yeah. me i mean it had you know kind of that classic sexy depeche mode vibe but it was very much its own I, thing i always thought like I, I think i mentioned last week that like fever daydream is kind of like what i wished the that elver album uh assassination julius caesar actually sounded I, like yeah I, I was thinking about i think you made that comment last week and i totally yeah. You definitely made that comment last week, uh, and I totally yeah. <laughs> understand where you're coming from. Like I totally, you know, I don't necessarily dislike New Ulver. I, I don't, I don't love it, but I, I don't. I, I, I think I, I, I don't think that that's a bad album. I just think that like, like it was one of those albums that like you listen to it, and I can't really find a fault with it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I can't find a reason to go back to it. I feel like those are always the. Like whenever I, I I haven't written like a, a proper review in a while just because we've changed up changed up our format but those were always the hardest reviews to write where mm-hmm. you know if it was so so easy to pan an album or talk about how much I loved an album but if an album was just fine and you just didn't have much to say about it that always you know like it's good but I don't feel comfortable saying like it's great and like yeah this was an issue but like it wasn't that bad so I don't you know it just it was always frustrating so I, I totally I totally get what you mean yeah. It, and I mean, I, I think part of it too is just like a band like Ulver, or or, or should I say collective yeah. like Ulver. Um, they just I, I don't know, like considering sort of the breadth of experimentation that they've done. Uh, I mean, I think it's a cool idea for them to do something you know more in the vein of like pop, but it just I don't know. I I, I guess I kind of expected more out of it. And, and I guess the, because, the, the, that's kind of a good parallel to uh-huh. the, the Black Queen is that you, you have, and what I said earlier, you have an artist who is known for being in a certain lane, trying something new, and mm. usually, like I said, you hear it and you're like, yeah, I mean, this sounds more like they're a fan of the genre, but not totally capable of doing much with it, and I, I, that is not at all the case with the Black Queen. Like, this sounds like, this honestly sounds like they've been making the style of music for their whole well, careers. I, I, I think that, like, part of the reason I, I think I, I really took to the project, um, especially just, like, this time around, just buying it straight out, um, it, I, I like, there are spots in Dillinger's discography that Greg does stuff very similar to this, that he's not, you know, completely just screaming his head off the entire time. I mean, mm-hmm. Widower off of Option Paralysis is probably the biggest example, mm-hmm. but uh, Unretrofied from Miss Machine, uh, the title track from One of Us is the Killer. Um, oh, man, that... Oh. Yeah. The, 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 there are a number of, of pretty, like, soft 
songs that they do that Greg really lets his cleans shine. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, it, th- th- this just feels like sort of the natural progression of that, but also kind of combined with sort of the music that he's into when he's not listening to hardcore, as well as sort of his collaborators, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I really, I need to listen to it again. I, I actually have it, I've had it like a stack of uh, CDs on my desk, mm-hmm. and that's been on there. But I also, that, um, you know, we, we, we both bought uh, part of that, that Shoo Shoo bundle that Polyvinyl has been doing. Mm-hmm. And so that came in, so I've been listening to those uh, as well. Um, so, but, and I also listened to Toxicity, uh, like you said. Yeah. Uh, or the, like, like, no, it was your album week that last week. That's, that's what I mean yeah. by that. Before we get too um, far from it, I, I just, I want to quickly, yeah. I just remembered this story when you said it, uh, when one of us is, is the killer came out, um, uh, my mom works for the, the, uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics and she does the Consumer Price Index Survey which are big words that basically she goes to different businesses and collects info for um, like to help calculate inflation basically and so as part mm-hmm. of that she's out and about in different stores and I asked her to pick up the new Dillinger Escape Plan album if she happened to see it at one of the stores she went to um, and she reported that when she asked the attendant where the new Dillinger Escape Plan album was they were very confused why this very sweet middle-aged woman was asking. <laughs> and so she brought it home and she was like, I actually really like the cover. Do you want to listen to it together? And I was like, you know what? Sure. We'll try it. Um, we didn't make it very far, but yeah. she did try. <laughs> she did. She did give it a shot. And I just... mean, I, I, how, I, I mean, I'm surprised she, did she make it through Prancer? No, I, I mean like, like very soon in the first track, she was like, Oh yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, because I, I was gonna say like if, if Prancer didn't do her in, um, the day I lost my bet would. Oh no, it, it did her in pretty <laughs> yeah. quickly. But just every time I, I, I think of that album, I'm like, yeah, that was she. She took one for the team on that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great album. I, I still like. Man, hey, have you ever watched the music video for uh, the day I lost my bet? By the way, I haven't, but I, I love it's super. It's super cool. I'm sure. Like, I'm sure. It's just. I'm sure you've seen them perform, their performance at the, uh, I think it was Golden yeah. Gods. Yeah. Like that I was... love watching that. Just watching Greg just get, like, get his head slashed open. Just like keep going. Man's a fucking trooper, man. I mean, <laughs> it, it kind of sucks that they, um, I just feel like the crowd wasn't into it, but it was still. Yeah, but I mean, like, what, what do you expect as the Golden Gods? It's not yeah. like it's like, oh, yeah. you know, the, this hardcore show in like fucking Jersey. Yeah, no, like, I'm not surprised <laughs> at all, but just it, it's. Like, as you watch it, you're like, why is it? Because usually when you see, like, a, a Dillager live performance, the crowd is going absolutely nuts. So, like, it was a li- it's a little weird to be like, wow, this crowd could give, you know, could not give less of a shit about what's going on right now. And, in fact, it, I almost wonder, like, you ever wonder, if, like, if they had more time, if Greg would be able to just kind of, like, incite a riot w- within the Golden Gods? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that would... Uh, like, that would be that'd be really great. I, I would have loved that, but I yeah that actually if um yeah I I one of the day I lost my bed is just the, the video is just really really weird uh just works with the song. Mm-hmm. What's even cooler is uh, Billy Reimer, uh, the drummer, did a uh, like a drum video of it, 
which is like you want to see someone just who knows their shit like that like the drums for that song are so insane yeah I, <laughs> like, I mean it just blows my mind that album because i think if you recall i was a little bit lukewarm on uh Dillinger for a while. Option paralysis. And, oh, and just Dillinger in general? Yeah, like there was a period yeah. where, I mean, I, I didn't necessarily dislike them, but I, I for whatever reason they didn't click with me. And that album really helped kind of push me over the line because I, I feel like the the songwriting and, and, and hooks on that are really like, I mean, you know, the, the opening track and then the, the title track specifically, those two, I just feel like the songwriting helped me get into I mean there was a period where I was oddly enough not I had a harder time getting into totally dissonant albums and not that Dillinger is you know obviously they have their melodic moments they have their kind of more straightforward moments but I remember specifically with Piron Mother of Virtues like mm. I I liked the concept, but just the, the constant distance, the constant chaos just really got to me. Um, yeah. And so... I, I, I'm with you. Like, it, it's... I mean, it's it's like candy. Like, you know, it's good a little in a little bit, but, you know, if you ate nothing but candy, it would not do good for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> which, is, which is a good... It would not do good for it you. It would not that's, do good for you. Uh, th- th- that's me flexing my English degree. Uh, exactly. But speaking of of, of candy, uh, and speaking of things that are easy to consume, uh, I want to talk about uh, what was described last week as uh, Naked City for corn fans, and that is oh my system God. of a down. I, I forgot that I that we said that. You know or, yeah. what's great is like that's one of those super like niche jokes that you, I wish I could share with more people, but I feel like the effort to explain like why that joke is funny you know what would be really funny is, is to have somebody sort of photoshop so basically just like uh, design redesign the system of a down logo to just say that mm-hmm. <laughs> just put that on a shirt like have you ever I, I remember seeing this shirt uh, that was um, it, it, it said uh, Nirvana on it but it was a picture of Hanson <laughs> oh man it, it, and I just want that so badly Oh man, that's actually really funny. I love yeah. that. Yeah, um, <laughs> naked, yeah. Yeah, the Naked City for Corn fans. Mm. <laughs> oh my god. Because what's funny is like it, that actually makes too much sense. Like when you think about it, like that actually yeah. is not like a terrible. You, so <laughs> when I uh, when I listened to it today, um, I actually they you know how Apple Music has like these little blurbs sometimes for an album. Mm-hmm. I, I only saw like the first few sentences of toxicities, but they described they're like, oh yeah, you know, unlike a lot of other new metal, like System of Down did like these Zappa esque, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, what? Mm. Like, like I I've never ever thought of Zappa and System of Down in the same breath. Just like I think ever. That's their way of saying, and like I, I agree that that's not a great comparison but i feel like that's yeah, but, their way but, but, of... but it makes me wonder though like i i wonder if like you know you you interviewed like darren malaki and, and like he was just like oh yeah we just like fucked with hot rats like all the time <laughs> but I, I feel like that's their way of saying uh like weird but also like two birds one stone they're saying it's weird but they're also mentioning an artist that 
they feel like people would gravitate towards. Like, oh, Zappa's weird. I guess maybe this is, you know, this is something that I'll be interested in. Um, I mean, I, I can't really think of any, like, corn fans that would be, like, they, they'd be like, who? <laughs> I also feel like at this point, like, people, like, there are certain, you know, quote-unquote weird bands that have kind of transcended. Like, I, I, it still amazes me that Primus were as popular as they were, because I feel like they're such, oh, a, yeah. such a weird band. But I feel like, like, my dad loves Primus, you know, and I feel like System of a Down, as weird as they were, they, I mean, they really did find a way to be weird without being too avant-garde, too experimental. Like, yeah, I feel like, but, like they found the perfect way to channel it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think part of that is just having, you know, I, I guess songwriting that is, like, just catchy, that's kind of earwormy. Yeah. As opposed to, like, you know, I, like, I think that's the difference between, like, Primus and The Residents, is that, like, Primus knows how to, like, make a groove, you know? But, like, I don't know. They, like, that's always what I found with, like, especially listening to System of that, like, to, to Toxicity today. I just found it, like, just so... There are so many really just perfectly catchy moments. Like, I, mm. everything was just really... It's so well-written. And just, the, like... Like, there, there's not a second of fat in any of the songs. Yeah. Like, and it's just, like, you, you know exactly when the song needs to turn. And they just do it. And, like, I think if I was describing a different album, I think one could view that as derogatory, but I, I, I'm not intending that at all. I think it's just, like, you know, I don't know whether it was the producer coming in and, you know, sort of telling, you know, just um, sort of offering, like, a second opinion on the tracks or whether they really just sculpted these things over time or maybe a little bit of both because that's often the role of a producer. Um, you know... It's just like yeah, it, it just it's it's lean and mean. Like even though it, you know it's, the weird thing though is like I always felt like that album was like an hour long, but it's only like it's like under forty five minutes, I think. Yeah, I think I remember that too. And part of me, when I re-listened to songs that I liked when I was a kid, um, I think a great example is Pulse of the Maggots by Slipknot. Like, for whatever reason... Wait, isn't that a single? Isn't that just a song, though? Yeah, it's a song off of Volume 3, okay. but I, I think the reason I gravitated towards it is because my that was one of the few Slipknot songs before I could actually like listen to the whole album that my parents let me download like as, as a one-off, which I don't know why, because mm. they, they literally just bastard in like, the first 30 seconds. But anyway... Uh, but there's like a a spoken word, I guess, and like it's a it sound of like an, an apocalypse siren, and there's like stomping feet, and then Corey Taylor is like speaking over it, and like when I was a kid, I always thought that's the, what took on you know that part lasted forever because I had such short mm. attention span. Like I would never even listen to songs that were, I think like three three to four minutes was my cap. Like if it was five minutes or over, I would think was you know that was too long, which. Nowadays, it's kind of hilarious to think about. Um, but, like, I listened to... Like, I bought Volume 3 recently, just, you know, if it was feeling nostalgic, and I listen to it now, and, like, it did not feel at all too long to me. So, it's I, just... It's, it's, I really... I, I need to take the plunge and just finally listen to a Slipknot album, because I, I never have. And it's mostly because I've just never wanted to. But I, I just... I feel like I need to at some point. Like, it, it it's, it's a... Um, 
it's a cherry that that begs to be popped i guess <laughs> to put it crudely like I, I didn't do well enough in math to like I, I don't know what the opposite of parabola is but um that's kind of been my journey with slipped on is that they were like my favorite band for throughout middle school and part of high school and then I was like, oh, like they're not cool anymore. And like now I've kind of. I, I always thought a parabola just described a curve. It didn't have to be an upward or downward curve. Oh, well, great that I used the right but, term. But, you know, I, still, I I could be wrong, though. Again, English major. Like, <laughs> I'm talking about, like, okay, we'll do a valley parabola versus, like, a hill parabola. But, like, I, I mean, you know what would be even easier is to just say, like, you know, uh, kind, kind of like you, you had, like, a zenith moment hey you and know then what it, it, i'll take it that. kind of fell from there i'll take that for sure because yeah. I, I i i i definitely see why people wouldn't like them like especially lyrically it's very like angsty like too angsty i mean they have a song <laughs> they have a song called people equal shit i mean come on like that's a little well, like that's a little. See, I, 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 when I think of angst, I, I just think of like feelings. <laughs> All my feelings. But it's just it, it's like... super it's super over emotional and and very also there's there's one uh, like spit it out. There's a line where he 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 says biggity biggity bitch boy, which is both amazing <laughs> but also like really like is this. Is this like the ideal, like the pinnacle of lyricism? I mean, we we also we're also talking about a band that that has a clown for for a member, that, uh, a like, founding member. I feel like that's an automatic dis- demerit. Is if you have anything to do with, with clowns, uh, <laughs> so, so that's why you hate ICP. Now I now I know. I honestly now actually, I understand. All right, so I, I guess we'll do this. But like I, I have actually listened to a full. ICP album. My it was it was it the Great Malenko? Uh, I uh, I have to look it up now. My it, it has to be. They... <laughs> my cousin had a CD, and I actually was like, okay, I want to listen to it. I want to hear it. And it, yes, it was the Great Malenko. Yeah, I, I thought it was. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's just not. It's just not good. Like I'm sorry. Like it's not. It's not me. Obviously, it's really easy to be, um, like. It's easy to shit. It's easy to shit. Like it's like Twilight, for example. Like like you, there aren't many people who are gonna push back on you for like, oh, Twilight's a shit series. Like people are like, yeah, I mean, they are. So, but for real, like if you listen to the songs, like the the lyrics are bad. The 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 whole carnival theme, it gets old very very quickly. Like the beats are not okay, good. But here's a question I want to pose to you: Would you rather listen to the Great Malenko again? Or listen to just like you know Takashi Six Nine, because frankly, I feel like they're doing the same thing. It's bad music with bad lyrics that center around kind of this theme uh, that is just kind of garbage. <laughs> I would honestly right? rather listen to Takashi Six Nine just because. Damn. At least like he has the whole you know goofy rainbow aesthetic going for him but he i don't know like he he's basically just doing modern trap i mean i haven't listened to a ton of takashi 69 but in general he's kind of just doing what 
like rap is today, and at least that's kind of neutral. Yeah. I really, but see, they, I really, that, that's what I'm talking about though. Is is like, like trap has like this aesthetic to it. You know, everything has to be drippy or something. I I don't know. I I I don't understand the youths anymore. Yeah, <laughs> but like like to me, but, but, but I'm just I'm just saying that like, ICP does the exact same thing, and people are just like, nope. But but then they're just like no no it, it but gun is fine though. But but you know what like that's that's what fucks me up most about ICP is that the way that people talk about them I just don't I don't understand it at all like like the kind of the deeper meaning and the, you know it's about the end of the world oh, yeah. and well, religious I mean, they... themes I just don't hear it <laughs> at all. But like that's crazy because people like are very like the juggalos they're very you know vehement about um you know about this being true. Like they're very like hell bent on you know this is this is what their music is about like this is yeah, but what like, they're trying this, to say. The thing is, if you focus on anything long enough, you'll start taking meaning out of it. The, like, that, that's the one thing that has like, to be what it is because I don't understand no, it, how you. Th- can, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. That's like what it is with music. That's what it is with everything. Like you know, something happens to you enough times, and you start thinking that you know it's more than a coincidence. Like that, that, that's just the way our brains are programmed. Like, you know, we, we look for patterns and things mm-hmm. regardless of whether there are actually like, there's actually meaning in it. You know, we, we, we analyze way too much. <laughs> and frankly, I like, that's probably my biggest complaint with like avant-garde and experimental music because it, it just like so much of it feels so over analytical and this is these are the composers talking about their own music. <laughs> that that reminds me when uh, um, Angie from the the hippo, she called it. Like, there was oh, right. there was an exhibit happening at a local museum, and she literally. I mean, she writes for a newspaper. If she's interviewing about your art, she wants to hear like what you think about your art. And I remember I was you know I was didn't have an interview that day. I was just you know doing whatever and she was talking to this guy and it was clear that the interview was not going well like you know I, i've been there and she gets off the phone and, and like our coworker was like what the hell was that about and he was just like man like i i cannot i cannot describe my art in mere words you know i can't and just like saying like i i, I can't do that and she's like well i'm trying to write an article so it actually would be really helpful if you described your art in <laughs> words and that totally to me that's what I think of now when I think of like super over the top pretentious artists. Like people were like, like no one could possibly understand my art with the mirror. That, that's the thing. Strangely enough, is that I, I kind of get where he's coming from to an extent. But then, J- why just, agree to like, interview like, that? Like why? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really, I don't know if a lot of artists really want to be interviewed. I feel like it's more of you know a, uh, an obligation. Mm, yeah, I could see that. Uh, but but I don't like, like like what I mean is just like I I think that there are times that you know uh, sort of you know analysis and description can kind of fall by the wayside because you know it's it's just some things are meant to be just purely experienced mm-hmm. and to sort of describe it as opposed to directly experiencing it is is just kind of missing the point and and you're you're kind of taking you know the sort of its power away almost but i i I do think that like for someone to just be like oh like like it it can it can easily get uh a little off the rails if 
someone's trying to describe it. Like, I mean, you, you bring up a good point. It's just like, why, why would you even, like, I, I don't know, or at least like make up something. I don't know, but like, I, I mean, that's the thing. Is like at least like, okay, like look, look at like Tim Hecker, like you know, him trying to describe his music sometimes is is really bizarre, but like the guy tries. Yeah, that's like like it, you know I I feel like it's maybe just because he probably doesn't have the words to describe what he's making because again he is a musician he is not a writer he is not an orator you know yeah exactly I think that's not everyone is going to be totally on board with what um, it reminds me of something you you said a while back that I really really resonated with me is like how do you know you like something and that, that's in relation to the streaming but i feel like that also applies here where like if someone hears oh tim hecker like well, what's his music about and it's like well i actually can't describe it in words and it's like okay <laughs> yeah. well like i don't like do i want to listen to your music like, like if i have no idea what your what it even sounds like i don't yeah, know I mean, it's just like you know like language has you know it, it's it has a purpose you know it's it's meant to communicate yeah, it has limitations yeah. but it also has a purpose yeah like it's, exactly it's, you know you're never going to be able to fully capture uh, a piece of art you know you're going to have to experience it but there's a virtue or at least there's a, a benefit to being able to describe it to some degree like you know at least describe to someone enough that they're interested enough to check it out themselves and experience yeah. it See, i i'm just personally interested in those sort of moments where language fails like it, I, I think it's something I got from, from my mentor, actually, because he really likes that type of, like, mentality, too, of, like, he always described it as, like, kind of, like, rattling the bars of your cage. Mm -hmm. uh, but, like, sort of the cage being, like, you know, it, we're, we're going to get real philosophical here, you know, just kind of, like, our limited reality, I guess, is probably the best way to describe it. Yeah. You know, so it's just kind of how we're just... We're, we're 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 stuck in these bodies almost i don't know just like i i i i sort of took what he th thought and just kind of went in a different direction like i i i think it's interesting when like reality breaks down and like when you know communication breaks down uh in in terms of like trying to describe you know or or at least like trying to i i i guess this is all i'm talking i'm talking about all this like within like an artful um lens as opposed to like you know something like fake news where like <laughs> journalism itself can't be trusted anymore yeah so uh which we will not talk about that uh <laughs> i i'm all set with that today thank you very much <laughs> um oh did you want to um talk about our albums of the week this week by the way yeah why not because okay. i i i had a really um a really good haul so i'm yeah. looking forward to talking about it um yeah do you, you you want to go first though yeah um you know what i i don't know because i can't really decide um oh, i mean i, I can go first because I, I i already have I, I i can talk about so i i i guess okay so I, i'm gonna go with um i guess since i'm i'm in a uh, synth poppy sort of mood uh songs of faith and devotion by depeche mode nice because <laughs> i black queen wasn't good enough apparently <laughs> no uh that, that's actually just a coincidence you know because it, like i tend to like just take out like five or six cds and just stick them in the car mm -hmm. um and i just came to that and i had it on over the last week and i just reminded me that it is still my favorite depeche mode album like by like a very large margin 
Um, I need to. I feel like I have this one, and I hope I do. It's the one with all their faces on it. Uh, I, I mean, I I know you're not the biggest fan of like, you know, post, like music for the masses, Depeche Mode, but like, damn, like songs, songs of faith and devotion is so good, dude. Uh, and it never gets talked about because people are just like you know all about enjoy the silence, which like I totally get that, love that, like love that song, love Violator, but like songs is just mm, just really does it for me but it's funny because i was i was also thinking because i i like i said i was working through that all those shushu albums and i finally put on uh the twin peaks album for like the first time in years and like that really blew me away just like how they were really able to sort of take you know angelo badalamenti's score and you know soundtrack work and just mm-hmm. really make it theirs uh, with, with with not much effort either. That's the weird thing. <laughs> like it's just like, I, I mean, also like Twin Peaks and Shushu just feel like the perfect match as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, I actually, I don't know if this is like a a deep cut. Uh, probably not. But like my favorite Depeche Mode album is Some Great Reward. Um, yeah. Because I mean. Yep. Lie to Me is such an amazing deep cut. Obviously, people are people. Uh, somebody yeah, you, you like blasphemous yes, rumors because yeah. um, this is one of my favorite musical stories. Is I had an iPod Shuffle that was my first ever like official music player, and my mom. This is like the cutest mom thing. Is she would just like put songs on my play like on my iPod that she <laughs> thinks I would thought I would like, and out of nowhere, the no idea was on my play. You know. Blasphemous Rumors came on and just I remember listening to it for the first time like as a young little like sixth grader and just it blew me away because uh, it's just such an amazing song um, but yeah I, I, in a great way to end an album yeah it's, it's such yeah. an amazing closer uh, I really need to flesh out my Depeche Mode collection because every time um, every time I revisit it I at least need to because um, I think we Reviewed songs of faith and devotion for an earlier uh, rendition of this. I think we did, and then like I really didn't like it, but yeah. that was several years ago. So I'd love to give it another chance because, I mean, you know what I've always found a rewarding thing to do, even though it it takes a long time, is to listen through Depeche Mode's entire discography, because mm. um, it's like fourteen albums. But I, I've done it twice, I think. Uh, it's I really enjoyed it because it's really cool to just see just how much they've grown throughout like you know like basically thirty years of of making music. Oh, like, absolutely! It, I mean, it's like like, it, it, like I, I don't know. I think some. I mean, like ACDC's made the same album for their entire yeah. career, but like yeah. Depeche Mode is like even though they have like their phases, every album is just a little different. Yeah, you know, and I mean, just it's, in general, something like "Just Can't Get Enough," you know, yeah. like listening. Uh, like I, if you just listen, I, I found like like that early, like that first album, "Speak and uh, Speak and Spell," I think is is what it's called, mm-hmm. uh, or "Speak and Say," some one of those. Um, is like it, people like really shit on that album, and like even Depeche Mode have like distanced themselves from that album before, because I mean, th- th- there are some kind of cringy moments, not like socially, but more just like just bizarre when you listen to the rest of their discography mm-hmm. uh, but I, I 
I enjoy it a lot. But um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, what's great is you have you know just can't get enough is just like pure you know sugary synth pop. But then even if you go to you know construction time again with a track like everything counts, it's a different kind of synth pop. And then you know you yeah. go a little bit further, it, something like people are people again. You yeah. know, just that they keep or uh, um, oh what's uh, never let me down. Yeah. Like, they just, they constantly reinvent themselves. Even if you stay, like, in the same general genre of how they've evolved, they still, you know, approach it in different ways. Uh, yeah. I would love to, I, I, I don't know if they'll, you know, the next time they'll do a big stadium tour, but, like, they're one of the few artists that my mom, my dad, and me all love in the same way that's, so like they're very see, very few you, you would want to see them live oh i would love like I, I they would i think they would put on an incredible show it would, see i i've tried to watch some of their live stuff dave gone just doesn't have it live interesting I, from, from what i've seen huh. it, and i just i'm like i like he is by far my favorite part of depeche mode in a way like he he's just like i mean it's similar to greg is just like he is the string that kind of ties like this present together in a way um i i just yeah like i i mean maybe it's just because i i am so used to studio recordings that i think you know i have uh an unfair and unrealistic expectation because you know studio recordings are literally the or, or well they're supposed to be the best thing you can do given your resources at the time mm -hmm. you know it's it's supposed like you know the idea is that you're not you, you're not just letting any take slide you know you're, mm -hmm. you're just going you, you're you're trying a million times if that needs to happen you know um what was i gonna say though oh i, I just that like i think see I, i'm tempted to listen to listen through the Depeche Mode catalog again, but man, after Songs of Faith and Devotion, it really goes downhill. Uh, like, Ultra is, like, supposed to be, like, their, like, almost like their metal album in a way. Um, that it's, that both interests me and worries me at the same, yeah, <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> look, it, 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 it's not bad. It's just, like, compared to what preceded it, it's very disappointing. Yeah. And they kind of do more like that. Like the uh, Exciter is is more in the same vein, playing the Angel. Um, you know, I, pretty much every album that they've made since Songs of Faith and Devotion has just like paled in comparison with. I, I would almost say every album they've made before that. Like it's it's kind of it's it's sad almost because like the, there are some great tracks on those albums like. Um, there's a track called uh, John the Revel uh, Revelator from uh, Playing the Angel that I've listened to that song, no joke, probably close to 300 times, <laughs> maybe even more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I, because it's just, it's like a very catchy song, but just, I don't know. The, like, after that, after that album, though, like, just Depression One has left, like, a lot to be desired. Um, isn't it interesting the, the, they have their moments isn't it interesting that you don't like we can kind of make that mark now because we're approaching their discography kind of as you know as a retrospective um but like with current artists where like i, I feel like in a way you know somebody mentioned earlier um tim hecker like i really just yeah. 
you know, I, I liked but didn't love love streams, and ever since I just have not been able to get into. Like, I wonder if we'll, we'll look back and say, yeah, that was the that was the moment that they're if if not if if well, not that they took a turn for the worst, you could say that they kind of took a turn for the inconsequential. That like after this point, you don't necessarily like. I would highly recommend everything from their you know this point to this point, but after that. It's kind of not as essential to people who aren't into the deep cuts. Uh, it, it's it's interesting that you know modern artists we're listening to, that like maybe we've already experienced their subtle decline. Um, maybe yeah. I, I I'm almost more interested in why that's the case. Mm. And like immediately my mind popped to uh, Miles Davis of all people because I feel like I don't know like I think it's almost like the same thing with like Tim Hecker in just that like I feel like they got to like this cliff's edge in terms of sort of their artistry and they really were able to dance on that cliff's edge for a while and make an amazing career out of that mm-hmm. and then at one point they just slipped and it just wasn't the same uh like i mean with miles davis it's it's very clear mm-hmm. uh because you know it's kind of like you know they you you can only push that electric sound so much and i mean not to mention he was just going through a, a ton of shit at that moment uh and it just kind of all came together and you know the, 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 there's there's a lot of documentation on it i i won't rehash it mm-hmm. um but i mean I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that is exactly the case for tim hecker but like you know he made you know i, I feel like like virgins and rave death were these massive albums for him and i think he got them from you know really kind of blending noise in with ambient and mm. really composing on you know a smaller level as opposed to doing these grand compositions and i feel like you know he he kind of he lost his balance in a way you know i i feel like love streams like the first single from that i always remember because he went i felt like he went too far into the noise category almost mm-hmm. uh and i felt like that kind of you know threw off his balance you know like he, he threw off his balance and I think just the magic was kind of gone at that point um, but I, I, I don't know see like I, I feel like me saying all this is, is kind of me trying to fit this all into a puzzle like you know very nicely and neatly uh, and you know trying to look at this like romantically almost when it's really not that at all like the, the, that's just sort of the way I look at it uh, you know, because I, I think, you know, for all the artists that we could talk about with, like, that could fall into this line of thinking, there are, like, you know, a dozen others and some change that have managed to reinvent themselves in new and amazing ways. So, you know, it's <laughs> it's like, who the hell knows? And I think it's ultimately just the creative... The, the creative process is just such an unknown territory like as much as we try to understand it it's really ultimately like not something we're consciously aware of i i I honestly think like it's i don't know like you you can't really like you see i i i almost wanted to spoil some stuff for our next episode but so but but i won't but just just suffice to say that like so sometimes you don't know whether a chance like whether a risk will work or not you know but it's like about following your gut in a way 
and your gut doesn't know whether it'll pay off or not. It just knows that this is good almost. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm getting way, way too no, abstract. But, 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 I mean, um, I, I definitely, I feel where you're coming from is that, I, I mean, part of it is a complex formula of, you know, where, where you personally are as a listener and where, you know, the, an artist is in their career. But it's, I mean, there's people behind the music and for them to, you know, pour themselves into their art, they're not necessarily going to hit the same note every time. And I, I, think, yeah. I think most artists don't want to do that. I mean, if you listen to someone like, you know, you're not going to have an ACDC. Not every artist is going to be an ACDC where they basically are just comfortable doing the same thing over and over again. And, you know, there's I mean, virtue. But also not every artist is going to be a shoe-shoe either, yeah. you know, trying to like, who like basically do a different thing every album. Yeah, and uh, um, while they've pretty much had nothing but hits for, for me personally, uh, shoe-shoe yeah. that is, um, oh, I'm, I'm assuming there's some people who like their, you know, who follow them, who it didn't work for them you know like one or more of their recent albums and i think that's you know there's a a benefit to constantly pushing the envelope is that every time you hear a new album you're like wow this is different and new and exciting and i'm you know i love it but there's some people who might hear it and be like wow this is not what i'm looking for from this artist for whatever reason um yeah i yeah no i i get you so i i but i think we've went off on this but i i really so what's your album of the week I guess. So I, I've been looking for this album in this format for a while, and uh, I followed it on the. Uh, you know, once I ordered it, I followed my order on the shop app, and for some reason, it went from Providence, Rhode Island, to Cambridge, <laughs> Mass, down to New Jersey, up to Springfield, Mass, until finally making its way up to New Hampshire. So. I don't really know why it took that trajectory, but I am glad. I'm still curious about that. Because it, it, it does, it's something that I have, <laughs> it's happened multiple times with me, and I don't, I don't know why. Like, I don't know if it's something I'm doing, or if it's just See, like. I, the, the only, the only two answers I can think of would be uh, that there's some level of, like, bureaucracy that kind of, like, makes no sense that is still being adhered to, the... or that somebody is consistently uh you know like misplacing your orders (laughs) or i maybe a little bit of both the one thing i will say is this record store has locations in province round and cambridge mass so i don't know if maybe one of those what what record store is it's uh, armageddon shop so like i don't know if if maybe they like they had to ship it up to cambridge so that they could add to the like maybe like one of the records i ordered was in providence one of them was in cambridge I don't know. Either way, I was really excited to receive it. I listened to it today, and I, you know, love it. You know, it brought me down memory lane, but also I, it kind of had a new meaning because it was very rainy and cold today, so it was just the perfect time to listen to it. And that is uh, Two Hunters by Wolves in the Throne Room. Uh, It's an interesting version um and i I totally get what you're saying is that it kind of stinks when there are certain versions that have certain bonus tracks but i think it was just a format thing because but 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 wouldn't you write when that i see i when it comes to you know vinyl presses of an album i always see the opposite happening that like you know things will get cut or like rearranged 
for a vinyl pressing? I, I think for, in this instance, if you look at the original track list, it would have been really awkward. Like, I don't think it would have fit on a regular like 12 inch record. And I think that putting it on a double LP would have been too, it wouldn't have made much sense. It would have been, it's like just too long for a single LP and way too short for a double LP. So what they okay. what they ended up, I mean, that that's just, you know, like from my observation. So what they ended up doing is one of the tracks, they almost doubled in length. They added a lot of extra like ambience and like added extra um, pieces to the composition. And then they added a bonus track to fit on the, you know, side D of the record. Um, it was great to listen to it. I remember this was one of the records that helped me get into black metal because as much as hipsters kind of tried to, you know, they, they champion this and it got the Will's throne room got a bad rap. I mean, this is a genuinely good black metal record. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, like there's a reason that Will's throne is still, you know, like that they're even talked about in general, like, you know? Yeah. And, and it was really, I thought it was kind of unfair. They were lumped into the death heaven kind of like that like they were kind of regarded in the same way to not to the same extent but like i think just because like places like pitchfork and more hipster publications gravitated towards what was in the throne room that people were like oh they're like a hipster black metal band but they're not really like they they a lot mm-hmm. of elements of their sound are pretty prevalent in black metal you know like a lot of dark ambient and like you know just general almost like quasi symphonic elements and then just the actual black metal parts are very like black metal to the core. You know, it's not it's not like Death Heaven where they're they almost gravitate towards shoegaze and post rock to a somewhat equal degree. Um, like mm. like Wolves and Throne Room is very much a black metal band through and through. They just happen to rely on I mean if if this doesn't count as black metal then I you know Bands like Ulver, bands like Emperor, I feel like you could say they they don't or they're not like quote unquote true black metal because they use a lot of the same elements that you know Wolves relies on. Um, I, I I feel like see I always felt that the reason Wolves got kind of that like you know short end of the stick you know and is sort of being like relegated to that sort of side of things was more due to the way they presented themselves and sort of the few comments that they would make about their music and sort of things like that. Cause I remember them saying, I, maybe I'm thinking of another band, but like, you know, like something along the lines of like, Oh, we don't play black metal or, you know, something like that. I, I, I don't really know. They might've. And I, I always loved when, uh, for some reason I thought of this, you remember when, um, I think Brett, Hind, yeah. the guitarist from Mastodon, when he like did an interview, he said like, "We're not metal. I don't even listen to metal." And you're like, "Brent, just shut the fuck up! Like, what are you? What are you yeah, even like, talking like, dude, about?" You, you met at a high yeah, fire. It's like, 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 go fuck yourself. And like, Brent. what annoys like, me about that is that he came out later and was like, "Oh, like I was just trolling." Like, lol. Like, you know, fuck you. It's like, but like, you said words to a journalist. Like, I don't. Like, yeah. how how is it the reader's fault that they misinterpreted the words you literally said? to another well, person I, we are forgetting that brent hines is one of the world's foremost performance artists <laughs> and he's trying to do you know kind of like a um sort of like a meta commentary yeah. on modern journalism 
<laughs> but and sort of the idea of, of truth in journalism. It, 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 I I don't I don't blame you for not understanding, Scott. You're just not deep enough. Exactly. You know? no, but like like that's <laughs> that's funny. But, but like in all honesty, that's one of my biggest like. It really bothers me when people are like, oh, like I was just kidding. Like somehow you're wrong for reading what someone said and then like reacting to it honestly. Yeah. It's like, well, you should have known they were kidding. I'm like, I, should I though? Like, I, should... I think I I really do need to say that I I vaguely remember this happening with bulls in the throne room but i cannot confirm that and i think if my computer wasn't just feeling like it was on his last legs right now i would go look it up um but uh, i i just like i i think maybe maybe i'm also thinking of uh the album i think it was was it celestite that yeah was, um it, it was like there was like no drums or anything and like i think a lot that that pissed a lot of people off um which i, I mean I, I can see why that's the case I don't necessarily agree with with those opinions because I I feel like you know if I don't know, like if you're gonna if you're gonna like shit on this album for not having drums like what about like all like the old like dungeon synth albums yeah. that like sort of came out of black metal or like what about like Burzum you know going like total black ambient or dark ambient or whatever you know like like do those those count though but I I feel like. I feel like you're right. Like they, they definitely. I mean, different interviews I've seen over the years, they kind of have wobbled between. You know, like like suppose at one point I think they you know reportedly were, like actually living on like a commune in Washington, like a like a, a, a farm without running whatever you know electricity or water. <laughs> like that was one of the rumors. But then also, you know, like I, I don't, and maybe that's just like us putting our interpretation of black metal on them that like they just like came in, you know showed up to make music i mean and that's something I, I also feel like we forget is that a lot of times musicians are just kind of making music to yeah make music and then we're like I, oh well you're in this scene and they're, they're like are you are we though like are we like we're not yes yeah, we're see, not trying like, to be th- th- that's what i mean it's like i i feel like that if they made statements about that i i feel like they that they aren't they wouldn't be unwarranted because I, I feel like I think out of especially black metal just is just, you know, it, it's difficult to want to be connected to that history. Yeah. You know, uh, in sort of the, you know, like I think maybe, you know, it, it, I don't know, it'd be like a, you know, like, like a death metal band that wants to just make death metal, but doesn't want to have to sing about, you know, chopping up bodies like yeah. animal corpse, yeah. you know, or, you know, uh, I mean, again, uh, hints for next week's episode. Uh, you know, there are countries out there who have done terrible things, and you know, future generations from that moment want to try to steer away from mm. that and to get away from that history. You know, and so sometimes that comes in the form of just complete, you know, revocation of what had come before. And, and that's something that's always confused me about metal in general is that like the idea that anything that even pushes toward or, or, you know, attracts mainstream appeal is, is bad. Like, I don't like, I feel like two hunters is almost like the perfect compromise record in a way. Like for lack of a better term. I I feel like nobody has ever been like, Oh yeah. Two hunters is like way too mainstream, bro. Yeah. But like, (laughs) I feel like there's been that, you know, it's, it's such a good, it splits the middle so well. Like it, it has a lot of elements that will attract, you know, people who aren't necessarily gravitating towards black metal to begin with, but it also 
does still have a lot of elements that people who love the genre will enjoy. You know, something like yeah. something like I totally get why people like pushed against Sunbather because people it's not it's it wasn't even the first like black gaze record. Like it wasn't even the first record to do what it set out to do. Um, yeah. So I understand why people pushed it back on it against you know for for that reason. Um, but I mean, I, I still like Sunbather. Um, but I, I, yeah. I, 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 I mean, I just think that people like it's a good thing if more people get into your genre. Like, not everyone's gonna pick up a a Burzum record or pick up an you know Dark Throne and, and like totally <laughs> embrace the genre right off the bat. Like, they need something that's. I mean, my own journey. You know, I listened to Slipknot and then you know got into cool. You know, like you know deathcore and metalcore and then eventually I I kind of dove into the genre. Like, people take different paths and it's. You know, not that Wolves in the Throne Room set out to be like a gateway black metal band, but if they end up being or serving that purpose for different listeners, I feel like that's a good thing. You know, if someone listens to Two Hunters and then decides to listen to, you know, Dame Mysterious Dom Dom Satanus, then great, cool. You know, that's a that's a great trajectory. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I see. My I mean, it's been a while since I've listened to Two Hunters. I I've just like. I think when I've tried to foray into, like, more, like, atmospheric black metal, like, I think what's always turned me off from a lot of it is kind of the uh, the use of percussion in it. It's very repetitive. Because, well, no, I, I, that's not exactly what I mean. It's, like, I, I, remember, I specifically remember, I think it was Two Hunters that I was listening to. Like, I, I felt like the drum beats weren't in time. Mm, if that yeah, makes any sense. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, or at least, like, it felt kind of like separated from the rest of the music that was going on except that you know it's all one cohesive song mm. so you know it, it, it's like that little thing it, it's it's kind of a nitpicky thing it's not really something i can fault them with because i don't know it's, it'd, be, it'd be kind of like you know me criticizing like dub reggae for not using like delay mm. you know <laughs> it's like it, it, it just it, it seems like kind of uh like a big a part of what makes that genre what it is um uh, i i you know but i i have found like atmospheric black metal projects that i've really liked i mean um oh god i can't remember the freaking name um of them now spectral lore that's what i'm thinking of mm-hmm. um like three by spectral lore is amazing you know like the, there are some great atmospheric black metal bands out there I, I really want to get into Wolves in the Throne Room more. I, I just haven't, you know, given them uh, a ton of listens. I, I remember you were really into them back when we were in college. And I think I listened to, was it Cascade? Was one of the albums that you had? Yeah, for whatever reason, I gravitated a lot towards uh, Black Cascade. Um, yeah. I think part of it was just because I really liked the... Uh, um, artwork? Yeah, I liked the artwork and also the... the first track which I, I loved a lot was Wanderer Above the Sea Fog which is one of my favorite paintings um, so I think that's probably why it, just, yeah. it, it resonated with me so much I also really like Celestial Lineage I think because it was a little bit more like there were some shorter songs it was more you know it wasn't just four super long songs like it actually you know was structured somewhat like an album um, yeah, I never really I, got I, I, I never I really understood Celestite because I, I think I could never, like the way they pitched it, I was like, so are you supposed to listen to this like in tandem with Celestial Lineage or is it supposed to be its own thing? Because at one point yeah. I think they said like it was an accompaniment. So I'm like, 
are you supposed to play this at the same time and it enhances it or um, and also just I'm not like Dungeon Synth or Dark Am- Ambient of this ilk has always been a little bit hit or miss with me so I don't know yeah I, I, I'm with you there I actually had um, uh, have you ever heard of it it's called um, The Cleansing Undertones of Wakelift it's, uh, it's a Rosetta EP mm. that is I, I guess there are parts of it that are culled from their album Wakelift mm. uh, which is I, I adore that that is like one of my favorite metal albums um, but it's also not meant to be like a companion like as in like you listen to it with Wakelift mm. um, but it can be confusing because their first album the Galilean Satellites was uh, quadraphonic so like you it came in two discs one was more of the metal part and one was more of the ambient part mm-hmm. and you put them on at the same time Oh, that's um, it, it's it's a cool experience, um, but it's it, it, it's a difficult experience to achieve if you don't have like two CD players. Yeah. So, like I, I remember, I, I think I I had it on iTunes, and I just put the CD in, and like that's how I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I if I remember right, I feel like I I actually went into GarageBand and made a mix of the entire album that had both of them like just put together just to make it easier i I think i still might have that around too (laughs) i feel like if you do something like that you kind of have to or you should release a version where people can hear it there aren't i like i mean if if you can look anywhere there aren't just straight up isn't there which yeah i i i have to agree with you I, i i feel like there should be an option for people um, because I, as cool as it is, it's not something that I can really feasibly do all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like if it's something that's easy enough to, you know, but... actually, it would be really cool to get like two CD players and put them on opposite ends of the room and do that. That would be really cool. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I just I wonder how many how many people would be able to do that like reasonably yeah so. I, I mean but at the same time i feel like if if you're into rosetta i feel like you know y- you would probably do it you know regardless yeah almost like it just they're like one of those bands that kind of just seems to call towards that you know um more interesting listening experience type of type of thing mm-hmm. so but uh, we're at like an uh, hour and six minutes right now, so um, I think we should call it a day. Uh, if you have anything else to say, no, you, these are always really fun episodes. So yeah, yeah I, I enjoy the hell out of these because I, I just love just meandering kind of mm-hmm. because I, I love for me I end up finding some interesting stuff from it um, and just getting I feel like we get to some cool places. Uh, yeah. I don't know if everybody else would agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's because just I think maybe being part of a conversation is more interesting than being than listening to it. So, but you know who knows. Uh, nonetheless, thank you for listening. If you did survive it this far, and uh, we will be talking to you next week with uh, more of a structure in mind. Uh, and I, I mean, spoiler: I'm very, very excited for next week. So, yeah, me too. Um, All right, well, until then, bye-bye. Bye.
thanks for listening guys and uh if you're interested uh you know if you want to hear more just you know listen to us on uh itunes pod apple Podcasts, android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast basically uh we're on all of it uh if you follow us on anchor to you know whatever works for you and uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about, or questions, anything like that, uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Sashara Podcast on Twitter. And our email, I think, is Sashara Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye. Bye.